0: It's Monday, November the 4th, 2019, and today we are continuing our study on the book, The Master Plan of Evangelism by Robert Coleman. And today we are specifically looking at chapter 5, the chapter on demonstration. And so one of the reasons that as a staff and as a team at Lifeline that we have decided to look at this book, The Master Plan of Evangelism, is because the gospel and evangelism are central to the ministry of Lifeline. At Lifeline, one of our core values is that we are gospel Driven. Well, we wanted our team and our folks and, and our partners to know why is Lifeline gospel-centered and what does that mean to be gospel-centered. And so in our effort as a ministry to preach the gospel and to disciple others to follow Christ, mere knowledge and words many times are not enough. And there comes a time for direct action. And that's what we see in chapter 5 of the Master Plan of Evangelism, demonstration. Yes, we must use words, but we also must demonstrate and show the activation of our faith. We must model the ways of Christ. And so really, when we get to chapter 5, this is the center heart, of the ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, that we want to be a demonstration of the gospel. We, while we were yet sinners, while we were alienated, while we were estranged from God, God. While we were vile, while our righteous acts at best were but filthy rags, Christ at the right time came fully man and fully God to take our place, to take our place at the cross, to take our punishment for our sin and to give us his righteousness. This is the gospel and it and it cultivates a response. We aren't just those sinners that have been given clemency by the governor, uh, out to save us from an execution. No, we are sinners that have been rescued, and not just given clemency, not just given release, but being given the life of Christ. We are now seen as model citizens of the kingdom, and that 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 produces in us a response to demonstrate the gospel in everything that we do, and that's what Robert Coleman is talking about in chapter five. We must demonstrate our active faith. Therefore, in our witness to others. So, but first, we must preach the gospel in words. And so I want us this uh, today to look at Romans chapter 10. And we're going to be looking specifically at verses 9 through 17. And this is what Paul says to the church of Rome. Romans chapter 10, verse 9, very familiar verse for many of us. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, You will be saved. For with your heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Verse 14, How will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? It was Saint Francis Assisi that said, preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. Beloved, we cannot preach the gospel without using words. Yes, our lives must reflect the gospel, but our words must follow. We must, we must preach the gospel. So demonstration, what we're talking about today, the active showing of our faith, the activeness of discipleship comes after we've preached the gospel. Verse 16 tells us here, Paul says, because they've not all obeyed the gospel. Even Isaiah said, he quotes from, "'Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us?' Very few were believing what had been proclaimed, which is the good news of salvation, that Christ the Messiah had come. He had suffered for the sinner, and he had conquered the eternal penalty for those who believed in the resurrection. But faith certainly comes through hearing. The gospel is preached, and the Holy Spirit illuminates and brings the, the sinner to repentance." And so I want us to see the flow that's found here in Romans 10, but look at it backwards. As opposed to starting at verse 14 and going down to verse 15, I want to start at the end of verse 15 and help us see the flow of the proclamation of the gospel. And while it's so important for us today as Christ followers, those who believe in the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and believe that that is how salvation comes, this is why it is so important that we be about evangelism, that we be about showing the gospel. And I, and I know as we look through the Word of God that we can easily say that evangelism is a, is a gifting of the Spirit. And, and, and it could be easy for us to say, well, my personality doesn't lend that I'm a great evangelist. Well, here's what I want you to know today. If the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ has saved you, if the Lord is in you, and if the Holy Spirit is guiding you, then it does not matter if you are the a proclivity towards being evangelistic. It doesn't mean that you may have not have a proclivity towards being an extrovert or someone that make has a very easy time starting up conversations. You are called to be an evangelist. You're called to preach the gospel. And so, as we look at this backward list from Romans chapter ten, we see first, it says, "How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news." So the first thing that we see is that the gospel proclaimer must be sent. How are they to preach unless they are sent? Verse 15. Beloved, as a Christ follower, that's what we're saying. You are sent. As a team member, we tell our team at Lifeline that you are considered commissioned the day you start in our ministry to preach the gospel and to proclaim the good news. And we want to proclaim the good news to birth mothers and to families and to children, to the mailman that delivers our mail and the FedEx worker that brings the dossiers. We want to present the gospel to the government worker the central authority overseas and whoever we come in contact with we are sent and so beloved if you were listening to this podcast and the the spirit of the lord jesus is in you and you are a christ follower then you have been sent and how are they to preach unless they are sent we don't have to wait for a, a, an invitation to preach the gospel we do not have to wait for someone to tell us it's time to go we don't have to wait for a caravan if you are a believer in christ jesus Your adoption papers at the cross, sealed by the resurrection, sealed by the blood of Christ, is your permission to go. It is your orders. It is your marching orders to be sent. So the gospel proclaimer is sent. But then second, we see in the latter part of verse 14, this, this other question. And how are they to hear without someone preaching? As you were sent, the proclaimer must preach the good news of the gospel. We cannot shrink back, but we must preach the gospel without the fear of condemnation or shame. Paul says this in Acts chapter 20, verse 24 through 27. But I account my life of any, I don't count my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold... I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink back from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Oh, brothers and sisters, beloved follower of Christ, if you are a Christ follower, then you have been sent, and now you must preach the good news of the gospel with words. And as Paul says in verse 27 of Acts chapter 20, I did not shrink back from declaring the whole counsel of God. We must preach the counsel of God. We must preach the good news. But that shows us this this theme as well, right? The message of the good news must be heard. How are they to hear? How are they to hear without someone preaching it to them? First, beloved, we must rehearse and preach the gospel to ourselves daily. One, because we need it. But two, because we never know when we may need to be ready to preach the gospel, right? We, we must rehearse the gospel to ourselves daily. Why? Because we need to remember this glorious gospel that we've been called to. But second, because we need to be rehearsing it, ready to preach it, ready to answer it, ready at any moment to tell a friend, a neighbor, a colleague, a, a, a person that, that is downtrodden that's in our path about the glorious gospel of the, of the kingdom. Verse 16 quotes from Isaiah 53 when it says, Lord, who has believed what they have heard from us? And then Isaiah chapter 53 continues to go on. It says in in verse 1, And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he, Jesus, grew up before him like a young plant and like a root of the dry ground. He, being the Messiah, had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. Verse 3, he was despised and rejected by man, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that is silent before its shears. So he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off from the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Oh, beloved, humanity, our culture, the people around us, the birth mother, the adoptive family, the orphan, our mailman, our, 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 our newspaper deliverman, whoever you come in contact with needs to know this glorious truth of the gospel. There is hope for the wayward sinner. Huh. They can not hear if the message is not proclaimed. They must be able to hear in order to respond. But that brings us to the fourth flow, the the fourth thing that we see from this passage of Romans chapter 10. And it's found also in verse 14. It's this question, and how are they to believe in him whom they never heard? The message of the good news must be believed belief is utterly placing your trust and your dependence upon Christ. Look at the first part again of Romans chapter 10, this this very familiar verse. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and what and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Many times we get the proclamation part, we sow gospel seeds, we have a gospel centered conversation, but we must call people to repentance and belief in Christ. We cannot preach a pseudo-prosperity gospel that tricks people into thinking that Jesus is like your grandma, waiting daily by the phone for you to call, just waiting and saying, I know my grandchild is going to call one day. He, he's not just a loving God who desperately wants for his children to come home. No, we must preach the gospel that all men are sinners. All have fallen short of the glory of God. We must preach the gospel that the wrath of God is what we deserve, and, and that is, is what we deserve, not the grace of God. Huh. But instead, God's severity met his mercy at the cross. Huh. Beloved, we must call folks to repentance. That's why it says, if you confess with your mouth, if you confess your sins, and if you confess the Lord with your mouth, huh, and believe in your heart, Oh, that the severity and mercy of, of God met at the cross of Christ. We trust in a God like that. That's a God that we can follow. That's a God that we can believe. That's a God who we know is sovereignly in control. A God that was full of of severity towards sin, but full of mercy. God is not your grandma waiting by the phone, hoping that you will call. God is a God that is aggressively pursuing the souls of those who are sinful. He's aggressively pursuing them with his mercy so that one day he is not aggressively pursuing them with his wrath. And we must preach this good news so that it is believed. But then, last, and we see that where verse 14 starts, how will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And here's the deal. The belief must manifest itself into action. How will they call on him? How will they follow Christ? Belief is only belief if it comes into action. You've heard it and it's trite and true. I can look at a chair and believe that it will hold me if I sit down in it. But I don't really manifest my belief in that chair until I sit down. We, We must see that belief. We must preach the gospel. The gospel must be heard. It must be belief. And that belief must manifest itself into action. So many times, it's, it's like I said, we get the proclamation part. We sow the gospel seeds. We have a gospel-centered conversation. There are times where the hearer is ready, and we have the opportunity to share and preach the good news of the gospel. However, beloved, we must not stop at proclamation, but we must continue on in a process of discipleship and demonstration of a life that is growing in Christ. And so the point comes, we cannot demonstrate that which we are not living out. We cannot show folks how to call upon the name of the Lord. We cannot show folks how to walk in the grace of Christ. We cannot show folks how to study God's word if we're not doing it ourselves. Matthew 28:19 through 20, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Beloved, we must invest in others by teaching them the ways of Christ and what the life of Christ looks like. However, it's utterly important that we realize that Jesus planned it this way, not just for our help of young believers, but for our personal growth in Christ. Pastor David Platt says, he has, God has this thing rigged. We are to teach others and disciple others and how to pray and how to read God's word and how to share the gospel. Well, we can't teach someone that which we don't know and that we aren't doing. And so three of the many quick disciples Uh, disciplines that we must be practicing ourselves and we must be showing and teaching to others. And that's first, we must pray. Jesus prayed continually to his Father and showed his disciples and us through his word the necessity and the power of prayer. Jesus in Luke 22, verses 39 through 46, it says, And he came and went, as was his custom, the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. And this would have been James, John, and Peter. And he went and he came to a place and he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. Why? Jesus knew it was coming, the cross, the betrayal of Judas, that he would be scourged, that he would be mocked. And he he withdrew, verse 41, from a stone's throw, and he knelt and he prayed and saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven strengthening him. (laughs) And and being in agony, he he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, Why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Beloved, we have access to pray and be heard by the sovereign and supreme ruler of the universe because he is our father. We must daily pray moment by moment, without ceasing be praying, and we must teach others how to pray and the importance of prayer. When was the last time that we fervently prayed so hard that we that we could say we were earnestly asking for God to come and do something radical, when we know of our lost neighbors, when we know of our lost friends, when we know of our lost family members, are we praying for their souls? Are we praying to the God of the universe to reach down and save them? Are we earnestly praying? Are we passionately praying? We cannot teach others to pray if we are not praying this way ourselves. But the third, second of, of three quick disciplines that we need to be practicing and showing is this. We must love, read, study, and memorize God's word. Jesus used over 160 references from the Old Testament throughout his ministry, either through direct quote or by uh, alluding to it. Two-thirds of the books of the Old Testament are referenced by Jesus during his ministry. Two-thirds. Huh. Beloved, we must know the Word. We must know it by reading it, studying it, and memorizing it, so that in turn we can teach others to have a love for God's Word. It is a light into our path and a lamp into our feet. God's word is 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 a is a double-edged sword piercing the dividing marks. We must know and study God's word and teach others to do the same. Psalm 119, 8 through 11. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek me, seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart, or I have treasured your word in my heart, that I may not sin against you. And then on in verse 33 of Psalm 119, Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Oh beloved, we must, we must be studying and reading and loving and memorizing God's word so that we in turn can teach others to read and memorize and study and love God's word. If we don't love it, we're never gonna teach someone else to love it. If we're not reading it, how is anyone else gonna read it? If we're not studying it, how is anyone else gonna study it? And if we're not memorizing it, how are we gonna ever teach someone else to memorize it? And for parents, I wanna tell you, it is such an important act that you be reading the word of God in front of your children. And this is not on your smartphone. Why? Because they may think you're just looking at social media. They may think you're just checking the weather or you're checking the latest sports scores. No, we must pull out God's word in paper form and read it in front of our families so that they see that our dependence, that our love, that our study, that our time is being spent in God's Word. But the third of the three quick disciplines that we must be practicing and therefore preaching is that we must share the gospel and teach others. It must be a way of life that we are sharing the gospel so that others are able to follow our example and share and teach the faith as well. It's through this process that other proclaimers are sent and the cycle of Romans 10 starts over and over again for the rapid spread of the glorious gospel of Christ Jesus. We must be sharing the gospel and teaching others how to share the gospel. Why? So that ultimately, how will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? Oh, beloved, as we preach the gospel and teach others to preach the gospel, then this glorious gospel makes it around the world so that every tribe, tongue, nation, and people can hear this gospel. We must be sharing the gospel ourselves, and we must be teaching others to share the gospel. Deuteronomy. Chapter Six: The Shema, verses four through nine. Hear, O Israel: The Lord Yahweh, our God, the Lord Yahweh, is one. You shall love the Lord Yahweh your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall walk. Talk of them when you sit in your house and you shall walk by the way. And when you lie down and when you rise, you shall bind them as signs on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. We must be about proclaiming the gospel and the glory of Almighty God. Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, 2-5 Preach the word Be ready in season and out of season Reprove, rebuke, exhort and with complete patience and teaching For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching but having itching ears they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. But beloved, as for you always be sober-minded endure suffering do the work of an evangelist fulfill your ministry Beloved we are to demonstrate with consistent action our faith in order that we may fulfill this glorious ministry that the Lord has given to us in order to make this glorious gospel known. That is the master's plan of evangelism, that we preach the gospel, that people hear that preaching that people believe in that preaching and that belief manifests itself into action and that we come along and disciple them so that they know how to pray, they know how to read God's word and they know how to share their faith. Well, thanks for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. This week, we are praying for the country of Liberia and we are specifically praying for the president of Liberia and others that lead in the government. We're praying for the church in Liberia, that churches would have purity of doctrine and godly leaders would be raised up. We're praying for our partner ministry, REAP, who is in Liberia. We're praying for the ministry of REAP and our partners that train and equip older orphans with life and job skills. We pray for Christine Norman, who is the founder and director of REAP. We pray specifically for her health as she finishes cancer treatments. We pray for the development of the REAP Institute, a nine-month vocational school that will serve vulnerable children throughout Monrovia, Liberia, all the way to Bentol City in, Mon- in Liberia. We pray that you, the Lord would help them develop job and life skills program in a gospel-centered environment we pray for an adopted team and a trip to liberia that will be happening in november uh, in the in the middle of this month we pray for the upcoming reap camp that will also happen this month We pray for Destiny, our teammate on the ground, as well as Orphanage Directors Network. We pray that Destiny will pastor his church, life-changer assembly well, and preach sound doctrine from the pulpit. We pray for Hope in Action, Uh, Liberia, in Liberia, Destiny's newly formed NGO. We pray that he will be able to use that NGO effectively to minister to orphanage directors, caregivers, and vulnerable children. We pray for orphanage directors that Destiny has the opportunity to minister to as we seek to love and provide for the children in their care. We praise the Lord for the children being impacted by the REAP camps and life skills training. We praise the Lord for those who are faithfully serving orphans throughout Liberia. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to work in the country of Liberia. We pray for this government, a government which in the past has been extremely corrupt and, and, and literally raped and, 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 and hurt and, and, and warred against her people. We pray that there would be purity within the government. We pray that the government would be formed in such a way to care for the people, to care for the poor, the needy, the downtrodden. Lord, we also know that in years Ebola has ravaged Liberia. We just ask for uh, health uh, care to come to Liberia so that the people can be cared for and that preventable diseases can be prevented. We pray for the church in Liberia, that the leaders would have pure doctrine, that there would be godly leaders that would be raised up and that they would disciple the next generation of leaders throughout Liberia. God, we thank you so much for the opportunity to work with REAP, and certainly we lift up Christine Norman and and her uh, health as she finishes these cancer treatments. We also just ask that you would open up ways of continued partnership, that you would be with Michael and our unadopted team as they travel there in November, and for the upcoming camp that will happen here in this month of November. Lord, we just ask that you would go before them, that you would use them, that you would direct them, and Father, that you would ordain their steps. And Lord, that you would use REAP in such a way in partnership with Lifeline that, that Orphans would have life skills and job skills, but ultimately they'd hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for Destiny, our partner on the ground. We pray that you would give him sound doctrine and wisdom and action and passion as he preaches each week at Life Changer Assembly. We pray for Hope in Action, our partner NGO there as well with Destiny, that that this NGO will be able to effectively minister to orphanage directors, caregivers, and vulnerable children. And Lord, ultimately, we just praise you for the opportunity to work in a country like Liberia. And we pray that you would give us continued wisdom, continued direction, as we seek to serve the orphan, the vulnerable child, and the system and the people of Liberia. We ask all these things in your great name, the name of Jesus. Amen.